This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.36 a.m. on Thursday, the 2nd of March, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Chong Jensen and Wong Xiaoning. Now, in half an hour, as we always do on the weekdays, we have the breakfast grill. Jensen, tell us who's in the hot seat today. In the hot seat today is Jeffrey Chu, and he's CEO of Paramount Corporation, Berhard. So the company needs really very little introduction. It's best known as a property developer. They have townships in Klang Valley, Kedah and Penang, but it's not just a property developer. It has ventured into co-working space via Collapse Co-working. They own a hotel in Glenmarie, as well as a fine dining restaurant, Dewakan, which was recently awarded a Michelin star. They have divested most of their education business and they've declared a 12-cent special dividend a few days ago, and that's a one-off yield of more than 10%. Share price-wise, the company has also done quite well. The stock is up 16%. So we'll be speaking to Jeffrey Chu to ask him what sort of growth they're looking forward in the next couple of years. All right, stay tuned for that conversation after the 8 a.m news bulletin. We're turning our attention now to what's happening up in the Philippines. Last Saturday marked the 37th anniversary of the People Power Revolution that ousted the late Philippine dictator Ferdinand Marcos from a 20-year rule. This later became known as the EDSA Revolution, taking the name from the road, which was the main artery of Metro Manila. Millions of Filipinos joined this bloodless four-day uprising against the controversial results of snap elections caused by Marcos. And every year since then, activists and people of the Philippines have gathered to mark this democratic uprising. In a twist of fate, the son of the ousted leader who fled with his family to Hawaii in 1986 is the president of the country today. Faced with an awkward situation, Ferdinand and Bongbong Marcos Jr. sent a wreath of flowers to the people power monument. He also declared February 24th a national holiday and said in a Facebook post that he was one with the nation in remembering the revolution. As we look back to a momentous event in Philippines, what does the return of Marcos family mean for democracy? And what did the two leaders of uh, Malaysia and the Philippines discuss when they met yesterday evening? For some insights, we speak to Andrea Chloe Wong, a political analyst on the Philippines. Chloe, good morning. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Now, as mentioned, last week's 37th anniversary of the People Power Revolution was the first since um, Marcos Jr. took office in June last year. Can you give us a sense of what the this year's commemoration was like? Well, it is actually a bit awkward consider, considering that the People Power Revolution in 1986 was the moment when Filipinos peacefully overthrew the corrupt dictator Ferdinand Marcos. But then just last year, the nation just voted for his son and namesake Bongbong Marcos Jr. So this year's remembrance of the People Power Revolution is quite paradoxical. Indeed, for our nation, especially among those who voted for Bongbong Marcos, some analysts are said that those who voted for him uh, are too young to remember the martial law years, or some of those who voted suffer from historical amnesia, or, or they are deemed as victims of Marcos' propaganda. Hmm. And uh, Chloe, Marcos Jr. wrote in a Facebook post asking for reconciliation and his administration made a last-minute move to create a long weekend during the revolution's anniversary. What do you make of this statement and action? Oh, well, um, during his campaign, his uh, theme um, during the campaign season was unity and reconciliation. And I think it's one of those token actions that the president took 
uh, to for the nation to heal after the divisive election. Uh, but his declaration of the long weekend because of the anniversary of the People Power Revolution is um, actually purely for holiday economics. Long weekends where people mean time to have a break, spend, or shop. Even Marcos himself went to his hometown in Ilocos Norte to have a break over the long weekend. Okay, it's eight months into his term. What were the key policy measures rolled out by his administration? And currently, how, do you know what he, how satisfied are the people, Filipino people, with Marcos Jr.? His key policy measures that he wants to urgently sign and implement are mostly related to the e-commerce and e-governance that will protect online consumers and their data privacy. This will surely be beneficial to the public as more people are doing business transactions over the internet. However, Marcos is also criticized for the rising prices of basic commodities and agricultural products that make it for harder for the poor's daily survival. Yet Marcos and Sara Duterte, the current vice president, are still very popular with high satisfaction ratings overall, less than a year after elections. But it is still too early, though, to tell whether they can sustain their popularity throughout their terms. And Chloe, I'd like to get a sense of what the current administration's stance is in terms of the South China Sea and China, because this year alone, we have seen the Philippines file 10 diplomatic protests Mm -hmm. against China over alleged violations in the South China Sea. How different is Marcos Jr.'s administration over foreign policy disputes like this when compared to his predecessors? Well, Marcos is more circumspect and strategic than Duterte when it comes to dealing with China. He knows that the Philippines' bilateral relations with China is very complex and complicated. You have, on the one hand, uh, China is one of the Philippines' biggest trade partner, while on the other, it is also the Philippines' biggest security concern, especially with its maritime disputes in the West Philippine Sea. Given this situation, Marcos knows that dealing with China requires a more nuanced approach maintaining good economic relations while protecting security interests of the nation. And Chloe, rising tensions between Manila and Beijing in the disputed sea. How is the Philippines balancing ties with China and the US? How the Philippines deals with both countries should be based on national interests. It is expected of any Philippine president to promote the country's security and economic interests in dealing with any other country, whether big or small. So in dealing with China and the U.S., the Philippines seeks peaceful relations with both countries, despite their great power rivalry. More than trying to balance relations and imposing an equidistant relations with U.S. and China, which is getting more difficult uh, as time goes by, the Philippines actually aims to act towards both countries according to what is strategically beneficial to its interests. And we do know, um, turning our, as opposed to bilateral relations between Malaysia and the Philippines, Chloe, um, our Prime Minister, Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim, is currently in Manila on an official visit there. And he actually met with uh, Bongo Marcos last night. Um, what bilateral matters do you think will take priority in ties between our two countries? Well, uh Bongbong Marcos and Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim are expected to discuss on various ways to strengthen economic ties between the Philippines and Malaysia, particularly on tourism exchange as the world slowly recovers and opens up after the pandemic. And as neighbors in Southeast Asia, 
both countries are expected to exchange views on how to enhance security cooperation and promote peace and stability in the region, given the looming tensions in the South China Sea, as well as the great power rivalry between the U.S. and China. Um, Prime Minister Ibrahim's visit to the Philippines is also very important because he is expected to receive an honorary honorary Doctor of Laws degree at the University of the Philippines. I think this is it's today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, what about issues such as Mindanao? Do you um, think that the two leaders can come to some agreement to actually bring peace to this island, to the southern part of the Philippines? Uh, we have uh, also a significant population of Muslim communities, especially in the south of the Philippines, particularly in Mindanao. I think they have mentioned and discussed uh, things or ways to enhance uh, deeper uh, community development uh, among our Muslim communities. And I think, you know, um, having Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim coming here and visiting the Philippines uh, will make all the uh, Islamic concerns of our Muslim communities here more uh, prioritized. Um, and I think they will discuss uh, some of the issues that concerns our Muslim brothers and sisters here in the Philippines. Chloe, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Andrea Chloe Wong, the a p- political analyst focused on the Philippines, talking to us about um, the 37 years anniversary of the People Power protests, as well as what's happening on the bilateral front with the visit of our Prime Minister to Manila. And the at EDSA People Power Revolution of the 1986 was deemed as a world model for peaceful regime change. But I think increasingly more people are saying that it's considered a failure because the principals are accused of not fulfilling their intentions. But I think Cory Aquino, she actually defended this and she said that her public role was limited to ending the dictatorship and whether it was successful in stemming out corruption. I think that remains very questionable scene. All right, it's 7.47 in the morning. We're heading into some messages, but when we come back, we are going to be discussing efforts to tackle cybercrime. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.